Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning. My name is Linda. I'm married to Rhett, who is the lead pastor here, and I am so excited to join you here today. Before we go any farther, will you help me welcome those who are joining us online? We're so glad you're here with us. Mama, happy Mother's Day. I love you. Terry and Jessica, my sisters, thank you for raising my nieces and nephews thinking that Lulu is the best. I'm Lulu, and I'm the best for them. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, everybody. You know, um, growing up, I remember asking my parents a question that Max asked me a few years ago. And thankfully, because they gave me a great answer, I already had the answer prepared for Max. So I asked my parents, "Um, there's a Mother's Day and a Father's Day. When is Kids Day? (laughs) And they said, every day is Kids Day. So when Max looked at me and said, when is Kids Day? I already had the answer. Every day is Kids Day. So if you get that answer, or if you get that question, you're welcome to steal my answer. You know, motherhood does give us lots of opportunities to have strong emotions, and I choose to laugh. So I brought a couple of my favorite memes this morning so we can all laugh together. Will you go ahead and put that first picture up? The fastest land mammal is a toddler who's been asked, what is in your mouth? (laughs) I can confirm that the second land mammal that's fastest is a teenager who's just been asked, how was your day? (laughs) Gone. All right, let's go to number two, swaddling. Swaddling the first baby versus swaddling the third baby. (laughs) You just pull those britches all the way up to the neck. They're not going anywhere. And then graduation, what the world sees versus what their moms see. I know, graduations are coming up. It's May. I actually experienced a little bit of this emotion just a few days ago. Rhett and I dropped Max off at school together, and we do the whole thing, the parent thing. Okay, love you lots, have a great day, remember who you are, blah, blah, you know, you're throwing out those instructions as fast as you can. And Max is like, okay, closes the door, walks into school, and I immediately get teary-eyed. Of course, Rhett's like, you doing okay? What's going on over there? I said, I'm just imagining that we said all of those things, and we just dropped him off at college, and all he did was say, okay, bye. <laughs> And now you know how to pray for Rhett. <laughs> so we are in this series called All In. Uh, two weeks ago, Rhett preached a message about going all in by taking this next step in your faith with Jesus by becoming water baptized. And we celebrated with four people who got water baptized that week. It was awesome. Last week, Pastor Jason Hubbard was with us, and he talked about switchbacks And being all in, being committed to the journey, no matter what happens, he also confirmed that uh, trail hiking is not for me. So I came away with lots of answers last week. And then today, I'm talking about being all in, in all seasons. You know, typically, we have notes, and I would invite you to text and get those notes, but... I love them because they help me remember and keep track, and it helps me know how much longer till lunchtime. (laughs) 
But um, I don't have notes for you today, so I hope you just enjoy and sit back and listen, and I promise we will not miss lunch. I never miss a meal. (laughs) So what does it look like to be all in? That was the question I was really wrestling with this past week. And the one thing I just kept coming back to is that all in has to do a lot with how we spend our time. Time is so important, what you do with it, because as our time goes, so goes our life. However we spend our time is how we spend our life. And today isn't about um, time management as much as it is a reminder to check your perspective so that we leave the legacy, we leave the memories that we want to leave, and we don't leave a blur just because we've been racing and rushing to the very next. One of my favorite verses comes from Psalms, and it's attributed to Moses. Scholars agree that Moses either dictated or transcribed um, this passage, and the reason that we're going to go into it is because it is one of my favorites, but I also want to explain just a little bit of background to it. It won't be on the screen. You can read about it in Exodus if you want to catch up. But Moses lived to be 120 years old. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace, so he's living this high life. In the very beginning, he has everything he could possibly want. Things are easy, not a whole lot of challenges. He's just living this high life with no lack. Things go a little tough. They go a little south for him. He ends up running away from the palace and ends up shepherding sheep for 40 years. That is a very long middle, 40 years. You wake up, you check the sheep, you feed the sheep, you walk the sheep, you find a good spot for the sheep to sleep. That is a tongue twister, just in case you need one to practice on. But it's very repetitive, it's very mundane. It reminds me a little bit of when Max was an infant. You wake up, you feed the baby, you burp the baby, you change the baby, you do the homework, you go to the office, you know, the things that become very repetitive and this cyclical thing, you almost don't know what day it is. My day was broken, my week was broken up into two days when Max was little, Sunday or not Sunday. Because <laughs> we either got up and got dressed and went to church or we didn't. Like that was the only difference between our days, most days. I was so glad when story time he was invited to go to story time at the library because it was just one more, okay, it's either Sunday, not Sunday, or it's story day. We had this flow going. So in the middle of Moses shepherding, I imagine that he thought, this is what the rest of my life looks like. Wake up, do the job, go to sleep. And we have the perspective of knowing the full story that he didn't know at the time. But God calls him back to the palace He calls him back towards the end of his life, and he leads God's people from um, being uh, slaves into freedom. The reason I'm mentioning all of these details is because as we read this particular psalm, I want you to keep in mind that it was written not from someone who had grand ideas and was trying to feel and act poetic, but it's written from someone who genuinely lived And he had this time on his side, this perspective of time, how time should be spent. So let's look at Psalms 90, 1 through 6, and then verse 12. Has a lamenting feel. We're very aware of how frail God, uh, humanity is and how 
uh, everlasting God is. Verse one, Lord, you have been our home since the beginning. Before the mountains were born and before you created the earth, you are God. I'm a little bit of a grammar nerd. I love that tense. We're talking past tense. Before you did all of these things, you are God. God is not bound by time. He is outside of it. He created it for us. He's not bound by it. He is everlasting to everlasting. You have always been. You will always be. To you, a thousand years is like the passing of a day or the few hours in the night. While people sleep, you take their lives, or you sweep people away in the sleep of death. So now we are looking at the frailty of humanity. We are bound by time. We have a beginning and an end. We have a sunrise, a sunset. We're like grass that grows up in the morning. In the morning, we're fresh and new, but by evening, we dry up and die. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I hope you feel encouraged. Here's my favorite part. This is where we're going to focus, okay? We can leave that in the back, okay? Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. Another translation says, teach us how short... Another translation says, teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days because our days are numbered. We are finite. We have a beginning and an end and a middle that's so important. So if we're trying to number our days to gain this heart of wisdom, well, how do we actually get that heart of wisdom? How do we get the wisdom that we need to number our days correctly or accordingly? Thankfully, the Bible has all answers in all seasons. So let's look at James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Involve God. When you need wisdom, ask God. When that toddler is throwing the tantrum, ask God for wisdom, because you just might join them if you don't. (laughs) He knows your first day from your last day. He knows. He has the wisdom that you need to number these days. But Proverbs 15.22 says, plans fail without good advice, but they succeed with the advice of many others. So now we we have this opportunity to involve others. So it's involving God and involving others. It sounds like knowing God and going to small group, doesn't it? it. Ask those who have lived longer than you. Find someone who is older than you. And I always say, old people are my favorite people, and I hope to be one someday. Because they know it all. I love them. I love to sit My mom plays the piano. She plays like a gaither. And as kids, she would take us to the nursing homes, and she would lead worship. She could play any hymn. She was a walking hymn book. And we would go and sit and visit with people who lived in these nursing homes. And they were my absolute favorite because they knew everything. They had lived it. So look for someone who's living life like you want your life to look like. So whenever we're, you know, asking people for advice, you know, typically going to people who have had children longer than I've had one and who are farther along in raising them than I am. Because we're very aware right now that Max, in 10 school days, will be considered a high schooler. 
and now you know how to pray for me. (laughs) So I've asked wisdom from people who are farther along than me. In fact, many of you are in this room. I've asked you, what did you do when you started feeling this countdown clock ticking? What would you have done differently? What advice would you give to me knowing about what I'm going to walk through with a teenager going into high school and thinking about the future? How can you help me? Because you did it and you did it well and I want to learn from you. And I got answers like, go on vacation. Be very intentional about trips and time because you're creating memories. And, oh, this was a great one. Whenever your teenager walks in and starts to talk, stop what you're doing. So good. Do, not, do not pass go. Do not pay $200. Don't change the channel. Do nothing but listen. Just be there. Listen to all of the words because if you've had one, you know that they kind of get a little more rare the older you get. They share just a little bit less than, than they did when they were little. And then another one that I thought was amazing is you think you're... Babies need you when they're little, and they do, but they really need you when they're teenagers. And I just think that is nuggets of wisdom from heaven, from people who have already lived what I'm about to live. So look ahead. Look for people who have gone farther. When I kind of collectively gather the responses that I've gotten, this is how I boil it down. You're likely to miss moments that matter if you're too busy for what matters the most. That hurts so good. I'm going to say it again. You're you're likely to miss the moments that matter if you're too busy for what matters the most. You know, creating moments and creating memories, they don't have to be perfect to be remembered. And I'm going to share one of my doozies this morning. It is a doozy. And I got Max's permission. I got Rhett's permission to share these stories because they are a hoot. So seven years ago, I'm going to set it up before we get started on the pictures, okay, guys? Seven years ago, we lived in Alabama. We lived closer to the Gulf Coast. We were maybe an hour's drive at most from our favorite beach. So we would take days off and think, let's just pack some snacks and go hang out at the beach for the day. And so that's what we did this particular day. So we've had this ideal day. It's the perfect weather, the perfect snacks. It was swimming and building sandcastles in the sand and reading. had several books I got to read that day. So it was just amazing. And so I thought, we need a family picture. Now, I never think about pictures. I have family pictures because I have friends and family that think we should take a picture. And then they send them to me so that I have record of what actually happened. I never think about it. So this is already a rarity happening that I stand there and say, we should take a picture. So all I want is three people looking at the camera and smiling. That's, that's all I'm asking for. Is that too much to ask for? No. All right, guys, let's look at the first picture. All right, so we've got the perfect lighting after the perfect day at the beach, and it's blurry. Now, we're all smiling, but half of Max's face is hidden, and it's blurry. So let's go to the second one. Uh-huh. Oh, you laugh now. (laughs) So Max 
thinks he's going to be cute and kiss daddy on the cheek, which at any other time is adorable and precious, and I highly support it. But what mama has asked for is for three people looking at the camera and smiling. I have not asked for this. This was not on my, on my request list. Now, we're burning daylight at this point. The sun is setting. Now, you can see Rhett is smiling mostly. Max is half, still half hidden, not smiling at all. And I am mid-sentence. Would you like to know what I was saying? Good, I'm going to tell you. I am saying, Max, I said, smile, and I smacked him on the back. Third picture, please. (laughs) Yep. Now, I recognize when I'm thinking logically that hitting people is not going to get the smile that you're hoping for. In the moment, I'm thinking daylight is leaving. I want the perfect picture after the perfect. All I want is for people to smile. That's all I'm asking for. So mama's losing her mind here. Rhett is still obeying. He is smiling. Now, he had had about eight years of training. He was like all in. I am taking the picture. I am looking at the camera. I am smiling. Like, good job, baby. Good job. Now, Max is looking at me like, what in the world has just happened? I do not understand. And I, my, va- my eyes like, I'm vacant. I have left my body for just a moment, but I'm still smiling. <laughs> All right, guys, fourth picture, made it. <laughs> Rhett is smiling on the verge of busting out laughing because of the, all the drama that has just taken place. Max is smiling, more of a grimace, but I'll take it, and I'm cracking up. But this picture, it is not based on the perfect moment. It's not the perfect parenting moment. I I lost it, y'all. But this picture hangs in our house. Not because it was perfect, but because it has become a beautiful memory that we laugh about constantly. In fact, we sit around the dining table every week and we'll, we'll start the conversation. What's your favorite vacation memory? What was your favorite trip? And it just spurs the conversation on. It keeps these memories alive. And every single time, Max will say, the beach picture. And we all know. We all know exactly what he's talking about. It was not the perfect moment. But it has become one of our favorite memories. We laugh about it. We actually have a photo opportunity available for you today in the lobby. I hope that everybody looks at the camera and smiles. (laughs) but you might just end up with a memory maker. Take it and run. So remember today's not about feeling guilty. It's not about the time management per se. It's, we're just thinking about where our perspective is right now. We're in the process of gaining the wisdom that we need so that we can be present and all in in all of our seasons. So ask yourself, maybe, maybe right now, but maybe later too during the day, what do I want my life to show about how I use my time? What will it say about what or who I thought was important? Am I all in in this current season that I'm in? And then just be honest with yourself. You know, when I think about the people in my life who have lived or currently live all in, 
Yeah, I think of several. You know, my siblings, they're um, married and raising children and serving in their local churches. My parents, you know, my mom, I've already mentioned it, plays piano. She was the church piano player, the church pianist for years. I was actually laughing with friends just a couple of weeks ago how the three of us would sit together on the pew, not a chair, the church pew. And, you know, we would sit on purpose, like where she could see us. Because, <laughs> you know, you leave three young kids, you know, things are bound to happen. But if she could see us, she could play the piano and give us the look. <laughs> if we needed it. We didn't always need it. But you get one look and take a whole row down. Like it was all, we were, we were there. Oh, yes, mama, trees of the field, clap their hand. I'm there. I'm all in. I'm here. And then, you know, my, my parents, I have tons of friends who serve here. You, you're all in. You're, you're giving the gifts that God has put in you back to the local body. You're all in in this season. But I want, I want to share about one of my grandparents. And I have tissues just in case because I tend to cry. Will you go ahead and put this picture up? Josiah, thank you so much, bud. So this is my grandmother, Matilda, which means battle mighty. I love that. Battle mighty Matilda. She's in the floor. I'm in the middle, paying very close attention. And then my sister, Terry, I don't know if you can see, but her, she's giving some serious side eye right now, <laughs> looking at my grandmother. They, this is my childhood home. My grandparents were in town because my brother had just been born. So we're hanging out with my grandmother. She was born in Dallas, Oregon. So I actually do have family roots on this side of the country. And then towards high school age, uh, her family, they all moved to Premont, Texas, where she met a handsome Texan, my grandfather, and they got married and had uh, six kids. My dad was one of them. So they raised their kids in Texas on a ranch. She loved to bake bread. I still make biscuits from one of her recipes. She had flowers and a cactus garden because it was hot and dry and cactus was just about the only thing you could grow. But she loved it. She loved to pray for and she would support missionaries uh, overseas. She loved the mission field. I remember my dad telling me that she would crochet little doodads. That's what he called them, little doodads. So she could sell them at the church bazaar and then send money. to missionaries overseas. Now to us, that might seem like a very small contribution, but God is in the small. And I hope that when I get to heaven, I get to meet some of those missionaries because I imagine to them it was big. But that's just one way to be all in. One of my strongest memories, though, is pictured here, we would typically go visit them at their house in Buna, Texas, and they had a small basket of blocks that they kept under the couch. And she would get in the floor with us just like this, and the blocks, um, some of them were like a natural wood color, and then some of them were painted white. So she would build a corral with the natural colored blocks and put all the white blocks in the middle and tell us the parable of the lost sheep. You can kind of see, she had to improvise here because this was at my house. There's some dominoes 
in a half circle there. And then there's a little people, you know, over here hiding. That one is the lost sheep. She would always take a lost sheep and hide behind her. And then we would have to help find the lost sheep. And every time we found the lost sheep, she would remind us, you can't go too far and you can't hide too good. The shepherd always knows where you are. And it was just one way of her planting little seeds in all of her grandchildren. Doesn't matter how far you go, and you can't, can't hide too good. The shepherd knows where you are. And if you're in this room today, and you don't know Jesus yet, I want you to know, you can't go too far, and you can't hide too good. He knows right where you are, and you'll have an opportunity really soon if you'd like to come home. She passed away about three years after this picture was taken. But when I think of her, I think she was all in, in all seasons. She had a beginning and a middle and an end. And it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it but it was God who made it grow. Now, we, we understand this agriculturally. When we plant something, it's going to grow. But what does it look like in life? How can we plant seeds of life? Tell your family stories. Maybe you have a picture that didn't go as well as you thought it was going to go, but now it's become a favorite. Pray with your kids. Text your grown kids that you love them no matter what. Because they can't go too far. Jesus knows where they are. Support some missionaries. Serve in kids' life or student life and let those students and children know that you care. Take a meal to someone in need. Send a card to a friend who's struggling. Take your nieces and nephews out for ice cream and give mama and daddy a break. Babysit for someone who lives far from family. Donate diapers to a pregnancy care center. Tutor high school students and then celebrate their next step, whether it be military, first job, college, trade school, whatever. Celebrate their next step because yay that they're taking one, right? Maybe someone just popped into your mind and you're thinking, okay, I I can do that. Just hold on to that thought. So back, we're going to read verse 6 again. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. And we love all of these people who plant and water our lives. They're important to us, but God is the one who's in control of the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we're both God's workers and... You are God's field. You are God's building. So take the pressure off. If you've been feeling responsible for making sure that all the things you've been pouring into your children or friends or family or coworkers, it's not on you to get results out. God is in control. We plant, we water. God makes the seed grow. So back to my grandmother just for a minute. You don't have to put the picture up. It's okay. 
Her favorite hymn was Little Is Much When God Is In It. Does anybody remember that one? There it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. I pulled my favorite verse and then the chorus so we can take a look at it. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? Those diapers, the homework, go into the office every day so that you can buy the groceries every day. It's great if God is in it and he'll not forsake his own. You're not alone in this season. Now the chorus, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Can't do it on your own. You need God's help. Little is much. Seeds are powerful. And being all in is important. You know, we, we've talked about it. Moses had a beginning, a middle, an end. My grandmother had a beginning, a middle, an end. We have a beginning, we have a middle, and then we have an end. You know, when we're in the beginning, we're young and we're learning and growing and gaining this experience, kind of the all zeal, no wisdom phase of life. Super excited, but don't have a ton to really impart. That's okay. That's why you're here. You are here learning and growing and gaining. And then when we're in the middle, we're still learning and growing from those ahead of us, but, but you, t- you start to turn, and then you start to give and share with those who are coming up behind you. And then eventually, we get to the later years, and we realize we don't have anyone in front of us anymore. We are the ones who can share and can pass on that hard-earned wisdom from heaven. But that requires a willing listener. See how it all just flows into each other? So if you're in the beginning or if you're in the middle, please listen. Please ask for advice. Seek the wisdom that someone farther along has. And if you're the one that's farther along, please give and share. Go to a small group and say, well, I remember when that neighborhood was a field. (laughs) I've seen the t-shirt. Just share your stories. People love to learn from stories. I love to learn from stories. I like to laugh and I like to cry with people's stories. I brought a small gift for all of the women in the room today, regardless of where you are on this Mother's Day, this American holiday that wants to throw gifts and, you know, eating out at you. I mean, I'm here for it. I won't turn it down. (laughs) We're going to lunch. But I brought this small little packet of small seeds. It doesn't look like much, but there's power in the seed, not the sower. So maybe you'll decide to plant them in water and water them and watch them grow into flowers. Or maybe you'll stick them in a a safe spot just to remind you that you are a seed planter. You are a seed waterer. And you are God's field. I hope you'll take a look at where you are today. That you'll listen to those in front of you. 
you will share with those coming up behind you, that you'll plant and water, you'll make the most of the time that you have, and that you will commit to being all in, in all seasons. Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that you do give us a beginning and a middle and an end, and we're so thankful that you have given this time to us. God, I pray for the the mom who is struggling because they would like to add a baby to their family. And I pray for the mom whose relationship with their children maybe feels broken, or maybe the relationship with the mom feels broken. God, I pray for the, the mom or the dad that's being both mom and dad, and they need an extra dose of strength and grace today. God, I thank you that no matter what season we are in, you are there. You are faithful. You have all the answers. You have the wisdom. And that if we simply ask, you are so faithful to give it. So Lord, I pray grace and strength over every single person in this room. Whatever season they're in, Lord, I ask that you just be present with them and give them the wisdom that they need to to accomplish the planting and the watering that you have in front of them. You know, earlier I mentioned that we would have a chance. If you want to come home, here's your chance. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say this out loud. When we come home to the Lord, it's because we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and we are saved. So if you'd like to pray this, here's your chance, okay? Jesus, just repeat after me. I need you. And today I surrender my life to you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died, you were buried, and you rose again. Forgive me. Change me. Today I put my faith in you. I choose to trust in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you celebrate with those who just made a decision to follow Jesus? While we're celebrating, can we also show honor and love to Miss Linda, my wife, this morning for sharing one a great message.